Tonight, Justin Trudeau has some really weird spending priorities for the military and veterans. The cupboard is bare, but for his own pet causes, he's got billions to squander. It's Tuesday, July 11th, 2023. I'm David Menzies, and this is The Ezra Levent Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. You could tell Justin Trudeau was addressing a predominantly male audience that works with their hands the other day. Uh, that's because the former part-time drama teacher went into blue-collar mode, you know, losing the suit jacket, getting rid of the necktie, rolling up his shirt sleeves. This is what blackface does when he is addressing plumbers or carpenters or firefighters. He wants to show that he's one of them, even though I doubt blackface has ever done anything physical throughout his privileged and pampered life. Don't be silly. I'm capable of playing any role, even with half a finger. Ugh. How did that happen? It didn't. Acting! Ugh. In any event, the audience this time around for Canada's version of Master Thespian was Canadian troops stationed overseas. At least the prime ministerial version of Mr. Dressup didn't don a soldier costume to pretend he's one of the gang, unlike his Indian trip a few years ago. You remember that dress-up disaster for the ages, don't you? Anyway, here's Blackface giving an address to the troops in Latvia. It's bizarre. I learned what an atmospheric river was when it hit BC. Climate change is having a real destabilizing and negative impact with more and more frequent extreme weather events at home. And as challenging as it is at home, the impacts around the world where people are in more precarious economic and geographic situations than we are, that's a new reality that has huge implications for security around the world, which is one of the reasons why Canada is stepping up to build the Centre of Excellence for Climate Security in Montreal. That's one of the announcements we're going to be making tomorrow at, uh, at the NATO summit. Because everywhere in the realm, but particularly in areas where there is particular intersections between geographic and climate realities and conflict, think of the Sahel, uh, think of parts of Southeast Asia, that's going to be a new challenge we all have to deal with. We're also dealing with the hangover of the pandemic that knocked us around as economies, but also knocked us around as individuals. Put a lot of stress on families, on people trying to figure out a way through, add the extra challenges of social media and levels of misinformation and disinformation that you know, had friends carried off by it. No, you are not hallucinating, folks. Blackface was lecturing soldiers on climate change and disinformation, presumably the disinformation being contrarian viewpoints regarding climate change. 
If I'm a member of the armed forces in that audience, what am I to think about this surreal virtue signaling sermon? That war is hell, but it's especially hellish for Mother Nature, given all those carbon emissions that result from fighter jets flying and tanks plodding along. And let's not forget the emissions from bullets being shot and bombs blowing up real good. So is Blackface suggesting that the Canadian military needs to oh, I don't know, mothball its weaponry, so as to, you know, reduce its carbon footprint? That's a hell of a way to fight a war, let me tell you. It reminds me of that classic scene in the 1986 sci-fi masterpiece, Aliens. Look, uh, a poem. Look, we can't have any firing in there. I, uh... I want you to collect magazines from everybody. She's fucking crazy. What the hell are we supposed to use, man? Harsh language? Yeah, guys, put down your carbon-producing bombs and utter F-bombs instead. And remember that Greta Thunberg loves you? What a weirdo. And hey, how cheap can you get? Do you know that those troops in Latvia are actually paying for their own kit? Even the state propagandist, or I mean state broadcaster, finds this egregious and embarrassing. The CBC notes that a battle group of almost 1,500 soldiers, including more than 700 Canadians, have been forced to buy their own modern ballistic helmets, rain gear, vests, and belts to carry water and ammunition. Uh, then again, forget about the ammo part. That stuff is too, you know, climate changey. But can you imagine this sort of disrespect directed at our troops? But we know why Trudeau is such a skinflint when it comes to the armed forces. Remember what Blackface told one particular veteran back in Edmonton in 2018? He made the promise, and I'll quote it here. No veteran will be forced to fight their own government for the support and compensation they have earned. Yet you are still currently in a legal battle with veterans regarding equal support and compensation to their peers. You have ISIL or ISIS members coming into a reintegration program. You did a backdoor deal with Omar Qadar with not even stepping into the courtroom. You know, so... Again, my question is, what veterans were you talking about? Was the ones that fought for the freedoms and values that you so proudly boast about, or was it the ones who fought against? Because honestly, Mr. Prime Minister, I was prepared to be injured in the line of duty when I, went to, when I joined the military. Nobody forced me to join the military. I was prepared to be killed in action. What I wasn't prepared for, Mr. Prime Minister, is Canada turning its back on me? So which veteran was it that you were talking about? Why are we still uh, fighting against certain uh, veterans groups in court? Uh, because uh, they're asking for more than we are able to give right now. Yeah, veterans asking for the bare necessities to sustain life are asking for too much, 
Meanwhile, Blackface could hardly wait to stuff a check for $10.5 million into the pockets of our homegrown al-Qaeda terrorist, Omar Qadar, because this jabroni jihadi suffered from hurt feelings while detained at Gitmo Bay. And isn't it interesting that when Blackface hits the road, on the taxpayer dime, of course. He ain't staying at the Motel 6, but rather when he drops anchor at a room, it's going for $6,000 a night. Seriously, is this guy a psychopath or a narcissist or both? But just like Daddy, that would be Pierre Elliott Trudeau, by the way, not a former leader of a Caribbean dictatorship. Blackface is a cheapskate when it comes to military matters, too. Canada is one of the worst nations in NATO when it comes to meeting our spending commitments. But instead of doing the right thing and increasing those expenditures, Blackface is trying to change the rules in terms of what counts as spending. Yes, he's engaging in accounting trickery. Canada, like other NATO members, is supposed to be spending 2% of its gross domestic product on NATO, but we're only forking over 1.29%. An unidentified government source recently said the following, quote, I think our record as a government is clear. We've increased our defense spending by 70% since 2015. We've made a series of incremental investments, end quote. Wow, did you hear that? Defense spending up by 70%, a series of incremental investments. Translation, those investments still fall far short of the NATO goal. Um, folks, are you experiencing a Clara Peller moment right now? Where's the beef? But, you know, it all comes down to priorities for blackface when he goes on a spending spree, doesn't it? The cupboard is bare for veterans asking for an uptick in their benefits. Likewise, the piggy bank is empty when it comes to troops currently serving overseas. Maybe among the hockey players amongst them, they can bring their own CCM helmets on their next tour of duty. Better than nothing, I suppose. But terrorists get cash-for-life payments, and Blackface has some $100 million in the kitty to give to the Haitian police. Oh, I'm sure that money will be well spent. Blackface has also committed some $8 billion to Ukraine. And check out those two battery-producing plants being built in Ontario and the one in Quebec. That roll of the EV dice amounts to almost $50 billion in taxpayer pork. $50 billion? Is Blackface reinventing himself as Dr. Evil these days? $100 billion. But at the end of the day, I guess we need to cut Trudeau some slack. He's a family man after all. Surely he feels the sting of grocery prices and the price of gas at the pump when he fills up daddy's uber cool vintage Mercedes Benz. And worst of all, have you checked out the price of a 100 gram tin of Cocoa Happy these days, folks? 1099, 1099? That's outrageous. 
Oh, what's that? You don't know what Coco Happy is? Oh, I'm so sorry. I forgot. You all live in the real world, a world in which Halloween only occurs once a year. You see, Coco Happy is Justin's favorite brand of blackface makeup. Oh, it's true. It's true, I tell you. Check out Coco Happy's slogan, quote, the first choice of professional clowns and mimes, end quote. <laughs> Talk about truth in advertising. In Gleb Lesik wanted to send his son to a summer course offered by his local high school. Alas, his son was rejected from attending the course, which was all about learning Java programming. It had nothing to do with the lad lacking prerequisites. Rather, Gleb's son was given the boot based on skin color? Good golly! How could a school, and for that matter, the Ontario Ministry of Education, tolerate such blatant racism? So it was that Gleb reached out to the Ontario Human Rights Commission, only to be shocked by the fact that the Ontario Human Rights racketeers had absolutely no problem with such blatant racism either. You see, when it comes to the Ministry of Education and the Ontario Human Rights Commission, racism in general is very bad, but in certain cases, racism is jolly good. Which is to say, in this particular case, Glebson was refused entry because it was only open to black students for those kids who weren't black, it wasn't a matter of being relegated to the back of the bus, but rather they were told to get the hell off the bus. Absolutely incredible. And joining me now is Gleb Lesek himself, who recently wrote about his ordeal in C2C Journal. His article is entitled, One Flew Over the Kangaroo Court, My Fight Against Human Rights Tyranny. Hey there, Gleb. Thank you so much for joining me. I read your article. It's downright surreal. I think that's the only word. How is it that we are now living in a province in which selective racism is not only tolerated by the government, but it's also government approved? <laughs> Uh, that's an interesting question. And uh, more interesting is why you're asking me why we're living in this. <laughs> I, I, left, I left the Soviet Union in 2000, and um, it was one of the reasons uh, probably for me to leave. At that time, it was no longer a Soviet Union, but I had a full experience of that type of an attitude. So, um, and uh, why we are living in Canada, I don't know. Uh, with this type of attitudes where people can be segregated by all kinds of features, I don't know, irrelevant features, I guess, in this particular case, for educational purposes, why would uh, the government segregate people by race, by the skin color? Hey, Gleb, I think, isn't there some bitter irony here? Because... I think if there's one individual on the planet currently rolling in his grave right now about this kind of approved racism, 
It's Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Some 50 years ago, he had the famous speech where he asked that uh, someone not be judged by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. But the progressive left has done a 180 on this. Now they are judging people on the color of their skin. This is not anti-racism. This is racism, you know, by the very definition. Um, I'm just wondering how it is we got here in the first place. Uh, I personally don't like the term anti-racism. Uh, I agree with you. It's just plain racism. There's no mm. such thing as anti-racism. Uh, it doesn't matter what skin color you have. Uh, if you are judged by that skin color, it is racism. Uh, although the Human Rights Tribunal thinks slightly differently, they think that the white people cannot be discriminated against. So <laughs> that's, I guess, why this uh, term anti-racism is popping up. I, I go back to yesterday. Uh, for example, Glob, my wife is originally from South Africa. Uh, she moved, her and her family moved here in 1976. And um, I think South Africa was made a pariah, and rightfully so, for its odious system of apartheid. I mean, it was absolutely surreal that a white minority had extra special rights compared to the black majority, and there was boycotts, divestment, sanctioned. South Africa couldn't go to the World Cup or the Olympics. I get it. But we've moved away from condemning apartheid-style racism to embracing it, it would seem. I guess the official explanation to that, and I wrote about this in my article, is that uh, there's that set of idea that there are ameliorating actions that are designed to bridge the gaps um, in between so-called uh, oppressed or racialized minorities, uh, the blacks being one of them. Uh, and this is a, a bit of a weird idea for me, in which way, let's say the young people, the students, um, teenagers or college grads are oppressed or racialized. Uh, there's no such thing in, um, in Canada, from my experience at least, right? Um, and um, the whole, uh, the, the idea of ameliorating somehow compensating those happened uh, 100 years ago is, is appalling and absurd. But that's the reason for that, right? Somehow uh, there is that, I guess uh, I can call it a critical race theory that purports that uh, somehow through, there's that generational gap that people mm -hmm. still suffer for, Really, it's, it's unexplainable reason. It's difficult for me to explain it because I don't understand it, right? It makes no yeah. sense to me. And in my article, I also gave an example uh, that, let's say, well, the, the, um, in ancient times, in, uh, in the um, beginning of the second millennia, Russia was oppressed by Mongol hordes, right? So they were under the Mongol hordes for uh, two, three hundred years. Um, so... What does, does that make me a racialized minority now because I suffer this cross-generational trauma dating back uh, almost 2,000 years? 
it's absurd. Like, I mean, how long does that generational trauma, even if it existed, how long it's going to last? How do we measure if if whatever ameliorating actions are being put in place are actually helping to bridge the gap? Is there a gap? How we measure that gap? Is that the skin color is the primary reason for that gap, whatever it is? Well, there it, are so many questions. And sorry, I'm, I'm kind of rambling here. No, no, not at all. But you know, you mentioned critical race theory, but that's the thing, Gleb. Critical race theory, in and out of itself, is highly racist. I mean, there's no getting around that. And more to the point, Gleb, this is a you know, a, a hypothetical question because um, no one was ever asked, but I'm curious if this is a solution to a problem that doesn't exist. In other words, had you or I gone into that class that was 100% comprised of black students and we asked them, would you mind if there were white kids here, Asian kids, you know, brown kids, uh, would this be a problem? I really wonder if the answer would be, no, 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 we want it 100% segregated. We're happy with this being an all-black class. Or maybe uh, the answer is, um, no, um, we're happy, you know, anyone's welcome here. How do you, that's what I'm getting at. I'm wondering if the kids themselves really buy into this or is it really all the social engineers behind the scenes that are designing these kind of odious race-based systems? The answer to that, I want to think that those kids, if they were only black in that class, they would say, no, we want everybody here. Yep. And, I, and, I, and I think uh, at, at least that's what I hear from my children, that kids generally do not want to get, to get separated, to get driven apart by the skin color. Uh, although what's happening what was happening to my kids specifically, it was funny. They, they used to have only dark, let's say, dark-colored skin friends or girlfriends, right, uh, a few years ago. And all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but gradually, things started to change, right? And I and I see that now they, um, they, they tend to associate more with the with the same skin color individuals, which is to me is very disturbing. Um, and I guess there is there's that social engineering that is taking place that takes kids kids apart. And there's another aspect to that is that don't those kids, if let's say a hypothetical example with a class filled with only black kids, like don't they feel, wouldn't they feel humiliated by such pitiful attitudes by yeah. the government to treat them as if they were somehow inferior to whites or Asians or whoever else, right? And it's, that's my main question. I, I'm asking this question in my article too. And, and again, it certainly does run completely contrary to uh, Dr. King Jr.'s uh, legendary I Have a Dream speech. But, you know, I'm just wondering, Gleb, um, we live in a bizarro Superman world where up is down, goodbye is hello, a man can say he's a woman, a woman can say she's a man. I'm wondering, did you ever consider using a tactic 
of the left, which is to say, oh, no problem. Yeah, my son might look like he's a white kid, but guess what? He identifies as a black kid. Did you ever consider uh, employing that card? Or maybe is there a different set of rules also uh, when it comes to race versus, um, say, gender identification? I thought about that. I... I, I don't want to play this game uh, mm -hmm. unless it's played with a ridicule and satire. And uh, again, it's something that I'm touching uh, on, on in my article. <laughs> so the Human Rights uh, Commission defined race as a social construct. So I guess they ignore the um, anthropology, similar to how the gender is now misidentified or identified as, as a social construct. So this is the same garbage no. that is uh, falling through. Uh, I, I could have played that game and I, and I kind of did, right? <laughs> In my article, I described myself as Asian uh, based, and it's true, uh, based on the definition that uh, the Human Rights Commission gave, right? I am Asian. <laughs> I'm more Asian than I am white, uh, how it is traditionally defined. So, but I am not really joking, right? I'm just playing the same game. Yeah. They they dealt the cards. I take the I took the cards and I'm playing it. So, they said I cannot apply and claim uh, racial racial discrimination because I'm white. I'm saying, oh, sorry, guys, based on your definition, I'm not white. I'm Asian. I was born in Asia. I like Asian food. I draw. I drive Asian car. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, there's there's so much more Asian in me in terms of um, the social construct than um, anything else. So I I, I, I do kung fu. Jackie Chan, my 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 famous uh, action uh, movie star. <laughs> so <laughs> how much Asian do you want um, to be in me? So anyway, it's a long um, answer to your question i don't want to play this game it's silly yeah and i only play it when it when i kind of i don't know when, when i want to make a point make a statement rather than actually leave through this yeah well you know Gleb, the other thing too is that when it comes to the ontario human rights commission the ontario human rights tribunal these entities they're non-elected, they're unaccountable, they're driven by a perverse ideology. But what I'd like to ask you is, where in blue hell is the Minister of Education, Stephen Lecce? He is supposedly a conservative education minister, but it looks like um, the crazy ideology of the progressive left, of the Marxists, if I dare say, uh, he's okay with that. Why? Uh, I personally do not relate to those labels, liberal or conservative, very well. I just speak about the points. I don't consider myself liberal or conservative. So it's to me, it's really not even a question of how come you are conservative and you stand behind those values. All right. I mean, uh, call yourself whatever you want. Uh, color yourself with whatever red and blue colors. Uh, to me, it doesn't really matter. I mean, he is he does support all that uh, all that 
stuff, all that racial discrimination that is, that is uh, now overwhelming the schools, he is in support of this trans transgender mm -hmm. ideology that is saturating our universities, our colleges. And, and I, I happen to have two, three kids and um, university, high school, and the middle school. So I, I get to experience everything that's coming from Stephen Lecher and uh, I guess his surroundings. So, yeah. And it's not good. Well, I, I'll tell you, Gleb, to me, with all due respect, it does matter whether it's conservative or liberal, because going back to 2018, uh, one of the policy planks that the Ford PCs ran on was they were going to undo uh, in the um, radicalized McGinty win uh, sex ed curriculum that the previous liberal governments had brought in. I would argue that sex ed curriculum in 2023 is way worse than what it was under the liberals. And now we see this perverse race card being played in which some kids are given an opportunity based on skin color. Others are told uh, they're not allowed to participate. It's odious. It's a modern day system of apartheid, if you ask me. The last question, Gleb, um, is there anything, aside from exposing this in your article, you can do? Have you thought about, for example, uh, taking the government to court on this? Well, that's that's what I'm doing. And technically, the Ministry of Education is the government organization. So mm -hmm. I am taking them to court, uh, to the Human Rights Tribunal, uh, which is a court, right? And uh, right now, I am not anywhere close to the to fighting the Ministry of Education in court. What I'm doing is I'm fighting a court to allow me to sue the, the government or to sue the Ministry of the Education because yeah. <laughs> the court is part of the system, right? Uh, so I have I have so many giants to go through. Um, yes, but um, I, I guess Glad, what I meant in yeah. not going via the Ontario Human Rights uh, Commission or tribunal as a court, but I mean a real court. I mean you you call uh, the Ontario Human Rights Commission a kangaroo court. I think you might have just insulted 100% of marsupials on this planet <laughs> by labeling them <laughs> that way. I mean actually going to a real court of law because. I think this is a fool's errand. I think there's simpatico with the school, the Ministry of Education, and they're going to justify this kind of selective racism. Last word goes to you, my friend. If if you feel the garage in my article, so the my garage is not uh, with the government per se. They, the governments do what the governments do. They have always been into the control of the crowd and. Uh, um, not really. The freedom is the last thing they're looking for, right? Yes. My grudge is, is with the, the low profile people who know that something is not right, but prefer to go with the path of less resistance. It's, it's not even those fervent brainwashed uh, activists or who promote those ludicrous ideas and uh, I can at least appreciate their unfounded enthusiasm mm -hmm. and uh, animalistic passion, right? But it's those, you know, 60, 70, 80% of people who think that their immediate comfort overrides any dignity or any human decency, if you will. 
and that their children will be just fine as long as they don't stick their necks out. Uh, and that, that's that's what's in my article also, and that's what I'm calling for. I'm well, uh, it's this this ball looks like it's still in play. I hope you'll give us an update if there's any kind of outcome one way or the other. I think it, this kind of nonsense has to be stopped. It is racism. It is discriminatory. It is just like the system of apartheid that existed in South Africa in yesterday's decade. And we must take a stand against this kind of garbage and this social engineering. It is horrible, bad news, and a terrible precedent. Gleb, thank you so much for joining me today. Appreciate it. Well, folks, lots of feedback to last night's edition of the Ezra Levant Show, including Ezra's interview with Franco Terrazano of the Canadian Taxpayer Federation. That was about how Trudeau has hired 98,000 new bureaucrats uh, since taking office back in 2015. Imagine that. DNAC 1827 writes... 98,000 more liberal voters. Oh, I dispute your math. Remember, a lot of those bureaucrats, no doubt, are part of family units. Guess who they're voting for as well? Outrageous. And then there was Ezra's monologue on the, well, the scam of recycling. You know, how we separate our waste, but it all goes into one big hole at the end of the day. Alberta Pipeline Four two six four writes, I think most Canadians would be shocked to find out how many provinces in Canada do not recycle beverage containers, pop, beer bottles, beer cans, and the likes. I know it shocked me. They still charge you a deposit on the bottles or cans. They're just named differently, recycling fee, environmental fee, and so on. Well, you know what, my friend? I'm a big fan of um, refillable bottles. And in Ontario, we do have that with beer bottles in uh, the beer store system. And once upon a time in convenience stores, we actually had refillable bottles pop bottles. But you know what? Coke and Pepsi back in the 80s, they lobbied the provincial liberal government back then to get out of the refillable bottles. They would front, I think it was something like $40 million to start something in Ontario called the blue box system. It turned out to be a big bogus piece of corporate welfare. If the government and the soda companies really cared about the environment, which they say they do, they would bring back refillables, but it's not part of their business plan. Unbelievable. Well, folks, that wraps up tonight's edition of the Ezra Levant Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. The big boss man, Ezra himself, he'll be back here tomorrow. In the meantime, as always, stay safe and stay sane.